so I got off the highway and out of my car to record this one. Won't have to worry much about the background noise or relying on the phone's microphone. Uh, well, the previous rants that I made while driving along were totally freeform, but at least I can jot down a few points on my computer to make it a little more composed and structured, specifically revolving around my beginnings as a fan. Every fan has an origin story, how they realized that this medium was something more unique, something that sparked their curiosity and gave them a craving for something more, not realizing the pure depth and variety of the content that was at their doorstep. My origins were at a bit of a generational transition, a gap between fans, but one that is now dominating the preferred method of consuming media, streaming. If there were specific generations between anime fans, then it would probably go more off on a decade-by-decade -decade basis, um, purely um, linked to the technology that was available to them at the time, and essentially whatever way that they would have been able to use to at least uh, connect and consume with the media that they were going through. Um, at least for the 80s and 90s, uh, they were the pioneers of the fandom. Uh, they obtained VHS tapes and distributed them through their respective groups internationally using Geolock and various other software and machinery to produce sub-content and even acid-marking subtitles onto existing VHS tapes to even understand and give people a better idea of about the media that they were consuming. Um, the internet helped in the 2000s, where watching a show was only a click away, but depending on your speed at home, it could take hours just to even torrent and download an episode but there were still television broadcasts of imported and localized shows, so at least that was nice when I was getting into it. Although for me, I got into anime at the beginning of 2011. A plethora of good shows were around, but I had no idea where to look or essentially how, to, how I got there. Um, a lot of this stuff growing up, everybody can basically go back where it's like, okay, well, I had these DVD box sets, I was watching it, I was watching it at home, and I would always check the TV listings just to see when it was going on, what episode was going to be airing, when essentially I would be able to get a taste of the shows that I was incredibly enjoy, that were incredibly enjoying to watch as a kid. I mean, for me, before I even knew what it was, essentially as a Canadian kid, born and raised, we essentially had YTV and uh, Teletoon to essentially get through the majority of our stuff, and that aired a lot of the popular stuff, a lot of the classics like Pokemon, Digimon, and Yu-Gi-Oh! They had a couple of Naruto episodes, Power Rangers, One Piece, Gundam, Metabots, and the shows that would drain hundreds upon hundreds of dollars out of my parents' wallets in the forms of Bakugan, of Beatamon, Beyblade, even in terms of how many other Pokemon games I got, Pokemon cards, Digimon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, just, oh my goodness, if I could just look at the receipts and essentially try and figure out how much money I was able to get my parents to waste on just that kind of content alone, that would have been, oh god, I, I, I don't even want to imagine. It, it was it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, but I guess if there was a brighter point in the 2000s that were essentially one of the best mornings for me to wake up on, like many other kids in the 2000s, it would have been the Saturday morning lineups. And it would have been in one of the earlier sets of channels, but we were able to get in Canada a set of Kids WB um, from the Warner Brothers uh, section. And on there would have given me my first essential jump or my first view at what at essentially cartoons that were different, but in ways that I couldn't necessarily describe or even comprehend as a kid back then. 
So you had stuff like Card Captors, you had Dragon Ball Z, you had Ultimate Muscle, you had Sailor Moon. Um, I remember catching like the Card Captor movie, the first Naruto movie, um, the first Yu-Gi-Oh movie, all on those Saturday morning lineup blocks. And that was essentially one of the brightest parts of my childhood. Pancakes, Pillow Forts, and Kids WB for four straight hours of incredibly entertaining and just well-versed content for me to consume and enjoy. Um, but of course, I had no idea that these were anime-based, that these were made in an entirely different country on the other side of the world. Like the, Because these were localized versions that they acquired the rights to and were able to get localized English dubs for the majority of the content that they were able to get and give to kids to consume. So I just, like a lot of us, I had no idea. It, like it was... It, Anywhere besides that, the only other content or the only other time I was ever able to watch those was a buddy of mine had a lot of uh, the first season of Naruto on DVD, and I had no idea that, you know, same deal, that it was a localized version. I had a handful of Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! VHS tapes uh, sitting inside uh, my parents' catalog, and the one that I probably watched the most would have been the Digimon movie. And I ha also had that on VHS. And it was also, looking back on it, it was an incredibly different experience. Because when you rewatch it, it's the entire soundtrack is just 2000s rock and pop to just, <laughs> to essentially just be the backdrop that have nearly nothing in common with uh, any of the content or any of the uh, stuff that was going on in the episode. I definitely, like, I distinctly remember listening to One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies dozens of times because it would continuously, I would continuously rewatch the movie and it would continuously play through that. Um, so that was definitely different. Um, and so that kind of went on for several years. Still watch Pokemon, watch the Pokemon movies, and essentially that was the only major, um, the only major content that I would be viewing through into the late 2000s. And moving on to 2011... I would say the true origin of me as a fan was getting home from school, sitting on, sitting at my desk, and opening up the Xbox Live Marketplace. And for the first time, scrolling through their catalog and realizing that you could buy specific shows, or in this case, specific episodes of whatever shows they had on their catalog at the time. And the first show that caught my eye that was legitimately... I, I knew it was a different style, I knew it was something different, uh, was Chrono Crusade. And I, with the remaining Xbox Live Marketplace points that I had, I bought the first four episodes, was really intrigued and curious about it, and by the t and before I decided to go and, you know, check in and buy a couple of more points, ask my parents for their credit card to essentially, like, jump through, well, actually, no, I would have had a bit, a bit of money at the time, considering that I would have been a softball umpire, just to get a bit of change after school, but that's beside the point. Um, but before I did that, I was able to realize that they uploaded the entirety of the first, the entirety of the show, which I think was 24, 25 episodes long on YouTube. And I was like, okay. So went through that, finished it, was like, enjoyed the hell out of it, like moved on. And in the recommended section of almost every single one of the episodes on YouTube, there were AMVs which I had no idea. So anime music videos, which were cool compilations of, you know, specific parts of the rest of the show, 
and then put onto the backdrop of whatever 2000s music that they could uh, afford. And the majority of the time, looking back, you would either find Linkin Park and Evanescence on almost every, on the majority of AMVs that were uh, coming out at the time. Because at least with there, you would see a lot of Bleach and a lot of Naruto and a lot of just fights to the backdrop of a lot of these songs that would be used consistently and commonly uh, throughout the majority of their uh, productions. And that was essentially how... um, That's where my list started. That is where my backlog started to go through because I finished Chrono Crusade... I was watching all these AMVs to all these shows that I had no idea uh, where to look or where to find or where to go. So I wasn't one of those classic guys in the 2000s where I would have to go and buy specific like VHS or disc sets of shows that would only go by three or four episodes at a time. I, in essentially my generation of being a fan, was introduced and gotten into the medium of anime through the advent of streaming. Not legally, mind you, but it was still the best way for me to consume it. Because as a 16-year-old, going on to a specific anime streaming site, illegal, of course, um, and realizing that I had hundreds upon hundreds of shows that I could view, my internet was decent, so you're telling me that I had this entire catalog at my disposal for free when Ever I wanted to use it at my computer, it just completely blew my mind. Because, like, of course, you're, you're a teenager and you're going through disc sets and VHS and watching movies on late-night television or going to a film, but then realizing you had that entire catalog in your back pocket, not only on your phone, but essentially at your own console and computer at home, like, it was just ridiculous to me. Because I'd never known that kind of thing existed. Now, this was streaming. So I know now, in hindsight, about the torrenting days in the 2000s. Luckily, I... if Let's see. Kind of not luckily, but still, I didn't get into it at that point in time. I probably streamed exclusively through the entirety of 2011 and 2012. And it wasn't until about the end of 2012 that a buddy of mine recommended, you know, you could just download this stuff so you don't have to worry about uh, lesser quality and stream interruptions, right? And it's like, yeah, what's torrenting? It's like, okay, download this plugin, go to this site, and then you'll just have to, like, depending on your internet speed, wait for, you know, 20 to 40 minutes, and then you'll be able to have the entire, uh, you'll be able to have the entire section of show, like, right there on your hard drive. High quality, no lag, and with different audio options and uh, and chat and uh, text and subtitles, and it was like, okay, nuts. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, so in terms of leading up to that, now that I had an anime, you know, a streaming service, I was able to watch a handful of shows that had been not really recommended to me, but at least that I knew existed and they looked cool in the AMVs and that was literally all I had to go off of, and so I decided to view as much as I can in that in uh, in that time frame. I was a high school student. I had a lot of fucking time. And the first seasonal anime that I watched came out in the winter of 2012. And that was um, Mashiro Iro Symphony, or White Symphony. And the... <laughs> so as a teenager, 
like it is a I'm pretty sure it was based off of a visual novel and you have a handful of friends and a handful of girls that you essentially have considering that it was a boys school and a girls school and they get mixed and all the girls are like no we don't like this and some of the girls are like oh yeah no we can definitely get along because we you know we're we can we can adapt and we could get used to this and so the main dude um essentially ends up having not relationships but passes by four or five other women and as a teenager just realizing that that kind of story was an opportunity or that could actually exist because of course I wasn't watching The Bachelorette I didn't necessarily realize that people would essentially like give anything to watch dozens upon dozens of either men going after one girl or one or dozens of women going after one man it was definitely a back and forth never got into it but then when I realized like my teenage brain was just like oh wow this is the coolest shit ever um, and I think after that, um, after getting into streaming near the tail end of 2012, or not, no, sorry, so the winter of 2012, so the beginning of that year, um, I had a handful of shows that were on my list, and one of them was, uh, Familiar of Zero, so I got into that, I finished it, it was 24 episodes at the time that it was out. And then how I was able to pick the specific streaming site that I went through, um, that, was the, that was the site that I viewed it on. And apparently the news was coming out that the final season of Familiar Zero was going to be coming out um, in, uh, in that year. And it was just like, okay, wow, that's sick. And then I realized that after at that point, considering that that was not the only piece of news, that was not the only content that was on... Uh, that was on the site, considering that at the very front page you have, all right, new stuff, new uploads, new seasonals. And there were dozens upon dozens of new shows every three months. And of course, to me, that was just like, okay, this is a new avenue that I need to go through. I have no idea what I want to watch, when I want to watch it. I've got too much of a backlog already. There's no way for me to consume all of this stuff and figure out what is good and what isn't. And I know I'm already wasting a lot of my time, but how can I even spend it in an inkling more of a efficient manner? And that's when the earliest of any tubers essentially got in. And I it definitely sounds like, you know, a trope or a cliche or a meme at this point. But of course, the first one that I watched was Giguk. But Giguk, I was watching his videos at the tail end of 2011. So, haha, one of the first, haha. Just, just leave that out. Um, but essentially, he was able to get me through a handful of shows. Like, he got me interested in the beginning of Bleach. He got me into watching um, Dorarara. He ended up watching, getting me to watch Pocono. Just a lot of, a lot of these interesting shows. Death Note as well to get me into the fandom and essentially point me towards a direction where these shows have been proven through the test of time that they have higher quality and you will not be able to waste your, or, or you, it's not that you won't be able to waste your time, you won't be wasting your time getting through these shows. Because apparently in the 2000s, there was a bit of a stigma and a bit of a gatekeeping aspect to it that I, that I essentially continuously heard about where it's like, okay, to be an anime fan, a true anime fan, you need to watch this, 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 and this. And it's like, oh, you're, you're done all those? Okay, so now you can watch this. Now you can essentially go into this direction. Now you can go through. So there was a bit of, you had to watch these specific shows in order to be a fan, which was really awkward at the time. And I'm kind of glad that kind of gatekeeping stigma wasn't there when I was getting into it. Because considering that I can only imagine like how that kind of fandom would have been like in terms of forums. I'll get to, I'll get to the um, online section that I ended up joining later, but 
I never went on to forums. The only two sources of information that I had to consume to on what shows that I should watch and what shows that I should get into were AnyTubers and AMVs. And of course, the AnyTubers were fun, but it's definitely not the easiest way and not the most... Because everybody has different tastes. Everybody is just... Um, just they had their own semblance of what they found good in a show. So I had a handful to at least get into. So Gigguk was the first. And then you had Glass Reflection, or in this case, GR Arcada, uh, who was also a Canadian boy, so that was just something that was interesting to me. Uh, Holden Reviews was also on top of that. And then uh, Jason Otaku. And Jason Otaku, Jacob, uh, he was able to... I was able to find his top 25 anime list on thatguywiththeglasses.com. So before before all the anti-tubers, like the only two anime content creators... Not anime content. Um, the only two online content creators that I was watching at that time in 2011 was, of course, uh, Nostalgia Critic and the Angry Video Game Nerd. And of course, a buddy of mine got me into both of those, and then he pointed me in the direction of that guy with glasses.com, where they had their own website and their own domain, and that's kind of the stuff that I ended up watching because their content was, while simple, still incredibly funny, and the personalities were charming enough. Um, I had remembered watching one review with Jason Otaku and Nostalgia Critic, and they were doing the Digimon movie. And it was like, oh shit, I'd seen this dozens of times. I had I had never had the opportunity to view anybody else's opinions on it because like nobody else would have been able to talk about it. And so I went through the catalog on their website to see where Jason Otaku was and what their content was about, and they had a tw- top 25 anime. And it was perfect because they... I can't remember a single show on that list that I didn't end up enjoying in some sort of regard. Like, I ended up getting Full Metal Alchemist. I ended up getting Mushishi. I got Beck. I got GTO, or Great Tuchironi Zuka. I got Gankutsuo. I got Cowboy Bebop. I got Fruits Basket. Like, just so many high-quality and just bangers of shows for me to jump into and, <laughs> and get into at that point. And it was just such a fantastic jumping off point because there were just so many good shows at that opportunity and from that list to, you know, supply me until I got into seasonals. So I had that backlog that I was consistently watching at the time. If that's all I did, if I was watching one show, I definitely would have been able to spend my time better and the tail end of my high school years. But then seasonal started getting into it. Um, and that would have been the beginning of 2012 is when I started getting into a handful of seasonals, like four or five, four or five or six at a time for the first three, uh, seasons of 2012. Um, considering that SAO came out in the summer of 2012 and that was an absolutely huge hit. The first online discussions that I ever had about a show came through SAO and it came through the R anime community. And so I've been, you know, I've been a partner and a basically a member of that since uh, the mid 2012s. And at the tail end of the year, so grade 12, senior year, I start the fall of 2012. And to this day, the most shows that I've ever started and finished in one season were in that season uh, of, t- of fall of 2012. 18 of the 36 airing shows that started in that season. I gave at least three episodes. Um, I ended up finishing 12 of those 18, which was still, like, astronomical at the time. I'd never essentially jumped to that high of a degree or that much of a, um, as an anime fan. 
And that's essentially like, I'm, I'm, I'm only going to leave that. I didn't, um, I realized in like one of the recent podcasts for the R anime uh, section, they did an entire seasonal impressions of summer 2020 and they did the first episode of every single show that came out. And I'm pretty, and that's only because it was only, only like 20 something came out. And I would, I would assume that would have been the only time that if I ever decided to jump in through the memes, I would watch every single show of that season and finally like write that down as like one accomplishment where it's basically just achievement. Watch the first episode of every single show in one anime season. And that would have been the time, but I still don't think it would have been worth it. And definitely with the, oh man, with summer of 2020 out right now, there are not as many just high quality stuff. Uh, the handful of it is basically um, sequels, but if, we, if you're looking at originals that essentially like came out in this season, there's not really much few and far between. And so, of course, after finishing twelve full shows in the midst of the end of tw- the end of 2012, my senior year, I was like, "Why are my grades going down?" <laughs> it's like I'm playing sports, I'm doing my homework, and I'm watching anime. Why is anime like? Why do I keep watching this? Why am I prioritizing it? So that was definitely the most unfortunate part about going through um, and getting into seasonals. So I toned it down. I'm pretty sure I only started and finished six shows that next season. And I'm pretty sure that's basically the gist of uh, how many that I've been watching at this point. And that's kind of like the standard of what I go by now. Um, at least for 2011 and most of... Uh, and at least some of 2012. So for a good year when I was getting into anime... I didn't really tell anybody. I was definitely one of those closeted anime fans because it was so weird and out there and raunchy at times and was in a different language and I could only imagine like my pe- like people's like disdain. I had already been bullied like for the most basic shit inside of high school. I did not want to start getting bullied for liking a foreign cartoon. That was just the last piece of my agenda that I would have been interested in like going through. So I kept it to myself for a good year and then one of the guys in my friend group like said sort of online and my mind immediately jumped to that and it was just like what sort of online you watch sort of online yeah it's yeah it's an anime right yeah like you watch that too it's like yeah like wait a second how long have you been watching anime it's like oh dude i've been doing it for several years it's like oh shit yo can <laughs> you want to talk about anime it's like it was it was the most awkward thing considering that for a good full year um until like essentially until like talking about it through discussion threads and the SAO uh, bids, there was nobody for me to talk to about this. So the fact that I was able to finally like get into it and then realize three of the people inside of my friend group had watched like a handful of series. It's like, Oh shit, we got a group now we can legitimately like, um, just cross over ideas and backlogs and ideas and talk about the shows that we like really enjoyed and try and get everybody into it and seeing what else they could uh, essentially push through. And that was honestly fantastic. It was it was a real revitalizing and relieving feeling that I could finally talk to somebody about this stuff um, and not have to just keep it all inside. I mean, another one of the guys that I kind of knew in my science class was basically, I was telling him about the show, and it's like, oh yeah, no, that's based off of a manga. It's like, wait, it's based off of a what now? Oh yeah, it's basically just a comic. And, you know, I think it was Magi of the Kingdom, like Alibaba, something along those lines, where... And so he's like, oh, you know, the manga's pretty good. Like, how far has the anime gotten into? It's like, it was such it, it was such an interesting set of conversations, considering that I had never been able to talk to anybody about this before. And it was honestly fantastic. Um, and another one of my buddies in my friend group, I realized, like I said before, he had Naruto box sets, which I had watched as a kid, but it never clicked 
that oh this is anime naruto is a localized was a localized bid that they were able to bring over to the west and he's got wait does he have naruto box sets is he an anime fan i'm gonna talk to him about this and it's like yeah buddy of course like how why didn't you talk to me about this sooner and i just felt like such a such an idiot oh man just awkward times just uh getting into the medium um so basically that was the majority of 2012 or at least the second year of anime which was definitely a lot more uh, interesting and involving than the first uh jumping in through 2013 attack on titan was a hit it blew up on the internet and it essentially dominated the majority of discussion that came through um the entirety of the anime sphere and it was also really fun just getting into those conversations and trying to figure out what everybody was uh what everybody was into um I was still getting a lot of good recommendations through a lot of the anti-tubers that I had consistently been watching. Podtaku ended up coming through uh, in one of the in one of the years that I started in uni. Um, but then, in terms of the last great anti-tuber story that happened in the midst of the copyright claiming on the majority of YouTube would have been Demolition D, and I started watching him near the end of 2013. And his reviews were just entirely just hilarious, and the editing was unique and spot on and incredibly entertaining to go through. But then he was one of the first major like copyright claimed uh, channels that when they when YouTube started implementing that system, and he got hammered heavily for the content that he was putting in, and for the smallest of reasons, like j- just the entirety of uh, the mid-2010s and the new systems that YouTube implemented like were just raking anti-tubers over the coals left and right in terms of music, in terms of the clips that they could use, in terms of the types of shows that they could even review in the first place. Oh, man. It was sad to watch considering that, um, yeah, he, he was going like on a monthly basis and then Demo started uploading several months in between and... By the tail end of 2015, you could already see the disdain and the conflict and just the sheer, like, fatigue that he ha- of the system that he had to deal with for the majority, like, once he started getting bigger and once he started, you know, getting into more and more shows. I definitely would thank him because without him, there are, like, a handful of shows that nobody would have taken notice otherwise. I would say the two that I would point towards the most would be Katanagatari and the Tatami Galaxy. Like, if... He didn't talk about those two shows in particular. I would imagine barely anybody would have given that a second look. Like that, he he is single handedly responsible for like getting those two shows on the map, and the fact that that was the first Masaki Yuasa outing that I ended up uh, watching was just like a lead in to him just being one of my favorite like anime directors of all time. Like even even current now, even though it's probably going to be a while before we see him helm another project again as director but the fact that his last major two directorial outings or at least three his last two films uh ride your wave and um night is short walk on girl are two of like my favorite anime films that are definitely going to stand the test of time and then essentially making the best show of 2020 off the bat just 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 winner of 2020 and just dropping Azoken, keep your hands off Azoken, and just being like, oh yeah, no, I might have done this back in 2018 with Devilman, and it's like, oh, I might have just created the anime of the year on the first day, within the first week, and it's just the fact like, oh my god, did he just do it again? Did he just drop the anime of the year 
in the first season on the first week. It's it's honestly hilarious what he's being able to do. He's he's going to be taking a break and stepping away from a lot of the stuff that Side Saru is going to be producing over the next uh, couple of months. But honestly, he deserves a rest. He was working consistently on two projects at a time, almost constantly. And the next thing that he makes, I'm really hoping he takes a nice long break so he can come back and make anything like just as entertaining as the stuff that he was able to uh, produce. Um. So, through the end of 2013, that was, I, I basically, um, Attack on Titan and Crunchyroll, I ended up finally getting an account. Between uh, the years of 2014 and 2017, I was off and on with the uh, anime club at my university. It was definitely fun. I would There were a handful of days where it was incredibly fun to sit down and do group watches and essentially go through uh, the seasons. Uh, or at least the anime club that I had specifically, we would have a really big turnout for the first one of the year because at the beginning of the school year, you would normally have uh, the beginning of the fall season. And I think we ended up grabbing like 60, 70 people in the first day. But then unfortunately, by the end of the month, we were down to like 2022. And so it was still kind of fun to go through a lot of the activities that people were still able to do on their spare time, and I definitely thank them for it, but um, didn't necessarily get the same expectation or the same result that I got out of the expectations leading into that club, uh, which is kind of unfortunate, but I still remember having a handful of uh, fond moments in the majority of people there, so that was definitely fun. Um, and then just moving forward, there's not really much that has changed. I mean, if we're going to be talking through the generational bids to uh, end this on... The advent of streaming and the entirety of the 2010s, as that being the major mode of consumption for anime now, and not only being Crunchyroll and Funimation, but now the big boys just essentially throwing their hats in the ring, hoping they can get a couple of licenses and a couple of hits on their um, on their roster through Netflix, through Amazon, um, and then with smaller, um, yeah, essentially through uh, smaller services like High Dive essentially like going through and watching a handful of their shows. High Dive, unfortunately, I haven't jumped into for a while considering that the major reason why I jumped into their service was to get Legend of the Galactic Heroes off of my watch list because I finally found a decent uh, way to stream that. Of course, I could have just jumped around uh, through torrent to torrent and basically go through that way, but honestly, the fact that High Dive was able to acquire such an incredibly difficult title to add to their roster and get that as their flagship was more than enough for me to give them a subscription for a couple of months. Um, since I remember watching, uh, let's see, I'm pretty sure they were able to grab Soccer Quest, they were able to grab Bloom Into You, and I was able to watch those shows as they were coming out as seasonals. I mean, through the rest of my fandom, it's been pretty static. Um, from 2015 onwards, from 2015 to 2019. Uh, there's just been uh, not as much of a dynamic change, especially compared to the ones that is, that got into um, when I got into it for the first three years. The first three years essentially like jumped me through like so many different hoops and so many different people and so many different recommendations and a backlog and content. And basically, when you get into that medium and you realize essentially how vast it is and realizing what it's 
like what it's capable of and what people were able to create in the midst of it was honestly just something that I could not even fathom jumping into even as a kid. The beginning, I would say something that I probably should have opened up at the beginning, even though I did like animations back uh, or just animated shows and cartoons when I was a kid. Another thing that I kind of got into through high school was um, flash animation and stick figure animation. And gaining an appreciation through dynamicism and movement uh, compared to the majority of stuff that people were able to animate, like um, fluid animations, stickpage.com, the flash that the sprite animations that popped up on like Newgrounds and a lot of the different flash sites that came through. That was definitely a huge inspiration for me to like stay involved, not necessarily in the anime medium, but in the animation medium in general. I would definitely like to um, thank people like uh, uh, like Turquoise and Hulu and um, Jesus, I'm blanking on a lot of their names considering that it's just been so long since I've seen the majority of their stuff. Um, Four Day was one of the biggest, <laughs> going off on a bit of a tangent, Four Day, which is what Turquoise did, that he ended up making four different animations and then posting them at three-hour intervals for a 12-hour span during the day was just ridiculous because I ended up, like, watching it at school when there was a live stream. That was probably the first live stream I ever watched considering that um, the admins of the site, Fluid Anims, basically did, uh, like, they basically did a live stream and saying, okay, this is the first one. Here's the here, here's his first animation, second animation, third animation, and then ending and then ending with uh, one of his uh, most ridiculous sets, and that was probably one of the only things. Considering that this is going off a bit of a tangent, th- this is probably going to have to join in through another video, and uh, basically jumping back into what the stick figure community was, and realizing that I got into it for a week, or at least I tried getting into it for a week, and then realizing, oh wow, I am really fucking bad at animation uh, and, and just drawing in general. So that was kind of something you don't really need a drawing passion for stick figures for sure, considering that that was um, one of the most simplistic ways for you to adapt uh, your skills at drawing, uh, not necessarily drawing, but through movement and through animation and trying to get the sense and the rules and the motions down that you could essentially take this baseline figure and move it in such a way that would be more than enough interesting to get people into it. Um, So that's kind of one of the ways that it kind of pointed me or kept my passion of animation going as a teenager, and then realizing that I had an outlet for that in anime, which was definitely like something that came together in unison perfectly, and that was definitely one of the main, um, one of the most, or one of the more enjoyable parts of getting into it, realizing how much uh, how much uh, stick figure animation basically like pulled off of anime and seeing how like how many different homages that they were able to go through, the types of music, the sound clips, uh, like the powerful attack moves, like a lot of them were just basing it off of that and the content that all of them had consumed as a kid as well, but they decided to emulate it through the, the modem of animation and essentially put that on on the page and off the page onto the screen and it was definitely like one of the one of the major ways that was able to help me transition into this um but then yeah the first half of 2010 was a lot more dynamic than the second half because once i got into the second half um knowing which knowing which torrents to go through what shows and what streaming services to use in the middle of the majority of seasonals 
um, places like Annie Chart and Kiss Anime, not not Kiss Anime, fuck Kiss Anime, um, through Kitsu and Mal, and finally being able to just go through and figure out what shows that I want to watch, you know, figure out which studios were going, like I was, by that half, I knew which studios were my favorites, I knew about specific directors that I would immediately want to give a chance, I could essentially go through different anti-tubers to basically know how to divert my time and use it in the most effective way possible so I wouldn't have to go through the majority of the season and try and figure out what I wanted to watch. So, near uh, the halfway point in that, I had everything mostly down under wraps. And to this day, um, on top of whatever show I'm watching off of my backlog, I've basically kept it at a smooth, decent number of four to five um, anime season. And it's been more than well enough for t- to encompass all the shows that I essentially want to watch. And it keeps a good number, just enough to get me through the week and not too much where it's overbearing. And that's essentially like what I've gotten to at this point. Um, the only change that I'm hoping to bring into the new decade, into this new generation um, of fans that are going to be getting into the same medium that I did, even though through different methods and different ways, um, it's going to be interesting to see what the 2020s are like in terms of the landscape of what the medium is going through. And I definitely still have a handful of ideas that I want to go through. I've got um, a buddy of mine that were both interested in making another podcast as well and content. And that's basically, hopefully, the change that I'm going to try and implement inside of the 2020s, where the 2020s was me getting into this medium and consuming content through people on YouTube, through people on streaming services, and essentially watching them grow and giving them and giving me the motivation to make my own stuff and finally use all of this information and all of these different, at times, useless facts that I could only... Um, communicate with back and forth between other fans um, and other people who enjoy the medium. And so what I'm kind of hoping 2020 is going to be is finally taking all this information that would essentially be useless outside of communicating between other fans and other um, and other people inside of the medium. And while 2010 would have been the year that I got into this medium and enjoyed it and watched as many people use their content to grow and expand the fandom as much as they've done, I'm hopefully certain that I would be able to do something in the same vein to use this information in a positive way and to finally get it out of my mind and onto the page and onto the screen. And hopefully through that method, point somebody else in the same direction that I was pointed to all those years ago.